Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. So good to be with you here today. You know, television is not the same as it used to. It's not consumed the same, and it's definitely not created the same. Today, Keith and I talk about amazing five-part series that The Inkler has on the American television viewer and what it really takes to make good content. So welcome and enjoy the show. Did you vote for any of the Emmys this year? No, I missed it this year. <laughs> Can you actually still be a member if you're not voting? Is this why you're hesitating? I did. I voted for nominees, but I there was so much stuff that I just didn't get a chance to see. And I'm an honest broker like that. And I just didn't feel comfortable voting for shows that I hadn't had a chance to watch yet. And it was already the deadline. And I was like, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to get through all this. So same thing. Like I couldn't, you know, the category that I'm in, I think you're in the same category. There are so many things to watch that I can't yes. get through all of it. So we, I got through all the main title sequences in the nomination yeah. process, because that's the branch you and I are part of. So I got through all those and I, I you know, and I, I was able to watch a lot of the animated stuff, but then when it came time to actually vote for a lot of the stuff, it's like, I haven't seen half of this stuff, like for the drama. I think I did vote for the um the stuff that's in our category but like best drama best comedy i i there were like three or four shows that i hadn't seen anything of and i was like i can't i'm not going to be the guy that votes for the show i want to win yeah. even though the shows i would have voted for won anyway but it, it's still like i i felt like i needed to be on osborne so i just didn't vote for those ones which you wonder if that's uh if it's skewed that way well i'll just say we should start with Hey, welcome Hollywood Breaks. Great to be with you, Tiki. You know, this last this week was this last week was the Emmys. Like Correct. it. Uh, so I watched the Emmys on Monday, mm-hmm. which I gotta say, it kind of caught me by surprise. My wife was uh, sitting outside, and she she just said to me, "The Emmys are on," um, and it was midday. So most people feel <laughs> it was midday. So Emmys? we were getting a uh, Twitter answers or whatever instagram answers i don't know what my wife was on the phone so whatever feed she was getting at four o'clock in the afternoon or five o'clock in the afternoon in los angeles because the emmys do a rebroadcast where the oscars don't do the rebroadcast they don't do the delay so you already know who the winners are before you start the show if you're in la (laughs) unless of course you're at the event in los angeles then you would get it right away um so we i started watching it a little bit put it on pause and watch the show later and I don't know what to think about the show. I got to be honest. I, there's a part of me that thinks it was horrible. Like I, there was a lot of things that were very disconnected um, in the bits that they were doing and the presentation uh, of the of the shows itself. Um, but I'll say like, but there are also moments where I thought the director did an amazing job. It felt like they put the camera in the room the way they rolled out the clip packages in the room. I kind of understood what the director was doing of, Hey, you should feel like you're here with us. So I thought that was a kind of a good spin. And the the writing of the show was uh, mostly, you know, entertainment entertaining or fun. Yeah. But what the disconnect to me is, is there's so many shows and there was a moment where uh, um, BJ Novak and Minnie, uh, Minty um, um, Kaling from, the office came yeah. out to present for best writer and uh they were, they were very clever they basically said you know we're here to present for best writer you lazy son of a bitches because basically when we did it, it was 26 episodes and you what you write six and that and you're up for a number or 13 or 10 <laughs> <laughs> and that's and i think they nailed it in the idea of like yeah that's the problem like 
There right. are so many six episode shows, which right. have been a failure back in the day. You know, they ordered six and they canceled the show. That's the way it was done. Mm-hmm. That um, there is a disconnect of who am I rooting for and, you know, which show do I care for? And in, in, in the case of voting, am I supposed to watch all of this? <laughs> like, yeah, basically. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, consume. <laughs> you basically have to sign your life away when you vote saying you have watched at least one episode of every single nominated show. And I'm like, how in the hell do people do this? Like, yeah. I, 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 this is, I just couldn't find enough time in the day to watch, like, how many seven hours of TV in a span of, like, three weeks. Like, it's it, it's impossible. I don't know how they do it, but they figured it out, I guess. But. Well, even just the the category of drama, comedy, you know, it's almost like there's such a large scale. Are we identifying all the audience members, whatever? So, I don't know. Yeah. There was, like, there's a part of it I just thought, like, this is horrible. I don't really understand who I'm... I don't I don't get how um how some of the Saturday Night Live is in the same category as Ted Lasso or I don't know what it, but that wasn't necessarily true but there was like no. these weird mix-ups of like that the genre and and um format yeah. isn't considered it's so, right. it's very odd and I and it made me think of like what has it always been this odd or were, were we more just like interested in watching the red carpet and the celebrities that the award show was just an excuse to kind of well yeah i mean it's it's tough because the emmys have always sort of been treated like the redhead stepchild of the award show you know you have the oscars which is considered the gold standard right the grammys which is like really cool because they occasionally will mix they the way they they stand out because they mix acts together that you wouldn't traditionally mix together right and live music is always sort of entertaining and then there's the Grammy or the Emmys that are sort of like an afterthought, you know, I think maybe 20, 30 years ago, they were like the thing because there wasn't all these different categories, right? It was sort of best actor in comedy, best actor drama, best actor, best actress comedy, best actress drama. Now it's like best actress drama slash limited series only on a streaming service that premieres on this <laughs> date exactly. at, on this date. And it's just like they've I granted the Academy, I give them credit for trying to keep up with how everything has changed. But at the same time, they've created all these mon- different categories. It's like, wait, limited series that or TV movie and like, well, wait a minute, what's the between TV movie and a Netflix movie? Huh? Yeah. Like, yeah. so it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's a tough show to put together. Um, it's not always the most popular show. And as I said, it's kind of an afterthought when it comes down to it. And the other thing is, like, people just aren't watching as much TV anymore. Like, must-see TV doesn't really exist. And, you know, when that phrase came into being, we had friends, you know, just after the Cosby show era and all these shows that were so huge and nobody, you know, every Thursday night, you know, you just, you didn't do anything because you were watching NBC most likely. <laughs> and then you were watching TGIF on Friday on ABC. So it was like, those are the times when everyone just watched TV and it was, and you know, you had friends. Jeez, what was on TGIF on Fridays? It started with uh, full house. Then family matters. Was that where step by Prince step? Was- Oh, step by step. And then there's one more I'm forgetting. I can't remember the other yeah, one. Yeah. I only liked Family Matters. So Urkel was Friday night. Urkel was Friday night. So yeah, Urkel was Friday night. The nerdy kids that were home on Friday night watched their friend on everyone else watched Full House. I didn't like Full House. I I just I found it annoying. But I liked 
Family Matters was great. I mean, that show was hysterical. And uh, and then Step by Step, I never got into. So. And there's one more I'm missing. I think there's one. More. I got you on a tangent. You don't go down on a tangent. But I just thought it was funny that you could recall TGIF. Yeah, don't get me on a tangent. See? All right. We lost, just lost 10 minutes on TGIF, Tim. Way to go, buddy. Way to go. No, no, no. Way to You're harness just... the show. <laughs> I think I, TGIF must have been after my time. I'm pretty sure I was out on Friday nights hanging out with my friends or doing something. And you were... I don't know. What I'll talk to I, your five boys about how cool you are. I'm sure I'd get uh, uh, five to know that you're not that cool. I'm pretty anyway. sure I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. I'm with you to yes. me that the seasonality of it too, where for example, squid game was yes. nominated and won this year, but it felt like it was two years ago <laughs> because the way OTT releases is basically yep. constantly Binge. releasing something. Yep. So you don't, you, you don't have a sense of seasonality who yeah. is, Working it so even Ted Lasso um, wasn't recently re- uh, released, but or succession um, most winning shows, matter. yeah, or, or succession. succession, yeah, yeah, yeah. That feels like it was ages ago, and you know, yet, and that's I think the other part of them is that, I mean, it, it's partially the release calendar because you know with the Oscars they usually have heavy loaded at the end of December, so by February or March when the show, you know, it's not that far removed from when the movies were in the theaters, but with the Emmys it's a different ball game. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, watching the show and actually suffering through it. And you think about, if you look at the ratings, they've got 5 million you know, viewers, which is not spectacular, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not terrible. And, you know, a good friend of our podcast at the entertainment strategy guy, who, um, we've talked about repeatedly, I've talked about in my newsletter, who I just talked about in my newsletter this past week, actually, he did a fantastic series, a five-part series on the American viewer. And it was really a deep dive into sort of data points. And each part had a different um, subject matter. Like part one was sort of like the age and gender and only race and all that stuff. Part two was sort of the religiosity, I think. And then part three started getting what were what they watch or how they watch. Four was what they watch. And part five was sort of like, here are my conclusions. And the overall tenure of the pieces was basically like, listen, I'll use religion as an example. You can see the sort of the trend. Yes, we read all about the growing vibes of the nuns, the people that don't affiliate with any particular religion, but they consider themselves spiritual. So yes, the trend towards in the country is trending downward with regards to religion, but it's still 45% of the country is, considers themselves religious. That's a lot of people. So yes, maybe the trend's downward, but it's still uh, a hearty audience. And, you know, referring to the award show, he had a section talk, sort of talking about, you know, yes, they're trending downward, but 5 million people plus whatever the live plus three ratings are is still a good chunk of the, it's still a good chunk. Like, especially given, you know, you just have some shows on, on TV that are barely break a million. So it's not necessarily terrible. You mean the, the, so the demographic portion of it too, I think there was some, some focus on wealth yeah. and just the idea of, I think it's uh, the, the quote that you, you say of the people oh, behind Gates that live behind Gates. Yeah. And yeah, there's very much this idea of out of touch of who we really are and who the viewers are. Right. Correct. Yeah. Cause if we're, um, if you're making a television show, it really is about meeting the audience and hitting the demographic, eventually getting advertisement and pay attached mm-hmm. to that. But if you're not 
pushing shows out there, you can be wondering where where are all the viewers? What's really happening to the viewers? Yeah, and blaming it on everything else, but you can also blame yourself as a as a show creator, as a um, broadcast executive. Yeah, and just recognizing you're totally out of touch with the reality of what really takes to put a show on. Yeah, and who want who really wants to watch it? I think yeah. Mark Burnett a few years ago did um did a religious TV show. I think it was yeah, I worked on it. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I worked on the theatrical release, Son of God. Yeah, Son of he God. Did a right. series, he did a series, and then we bought the movie, and I worked on the movie. Yeah. Yeah, so there, Mark Burnett, the guy who creates Survivor and The Apprentice, kind of at one point realized, wait a second, there's a lot of religious people watching these shows. He's actually pretty, he's actually religious. He's very, yeah, yeah he's a religious Christian, yes. Yeah, but still recognizing him, mean, he's a TV show creator. He has, yeah. he made Survivor, right? He kind of kept on making live TV shows. But when, you, when you're a TV executive, you're not just doing it um, out of... You know your personal convictions and heart like you have to find an audience it's what, what how television works so yeah um there is some reality of there is and the models that work i just wonder why they are ignored what what is it that we're doing in hollywood that says let's ignore <laughs> these demographics are we really just blind to that are the executives blind to the reality of what america is there you go i'm going to set you up for a rant is that what i'm doing you know, I think there's part of that. It's it's the bubble. It's the bubble mentality, which has always been sort of a problem with the industry as a whole. Um, you know, it's 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 an industry that attract. You know, that a lot of people who it's very similar in terms of their backgrounds, where they grew up, what school they went to, and there's just this vibe of, you know, oh, I don't really have to know the audience. It's just about my gut. And at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, but you kind of do have to know your audience. You know, you just reminded me of, a, uh, I, I believe it was Dana Walden. Um, when I was in leadership program at Fox, she came to speak to us and she, she referenced something that Peter Channon said to her. Um, she was at off, I think she was at the office late one night and he walked in and said, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm working. He's like, yeah, well, you know what? It would be better work. Go to the grocery store. You know, go mingle amongst your the viewing audience instead of staring at your computer. Just get out. Like you need to interact with the people who watch your content. Like this is not going to do that. Um, and I think that's very much a minority point of view. And something that entertainment strategy guy brought up in his sort of part five series was like, you can't worry. It's you got to stop with the prestige cocktail. Like I want to talk about this at a cocktail party. You know. You got to stop with the idea of like, well, if I go to a cocktail party and said I worked on Below Deck Med or whatever, which is a hugely popular show, most people at the cocktail probably be like, oh, you piece of trash. But you know what? It makes Bravo a crap load of money and it's a franchise. So isn't that basically your job to create things that people want to watch? And it's funny because like, you know, I think of myself, you look at, take example, Succession and Yellowstone, right? Yeah. Succession, if you were to judge its success based on its coverage you would think it is the most watched show in america and yellowstone nobody gives two hoots about that show however the reverse is true yellowstone is actually one of the most popular shows on tv it gets like 12 to 13 million viewers live every week when it's premiering and i don't even know what the plus three plus seven numbers are probably into the 20s 30 millions but succession is half that maybe it's a, and don't get me wrong, they're sure. both great shows, 
But Succession is very much a coastal show, whereas Yellowstone is sort of a broad, broader, broader show. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, there's still this sort of disconnect that I want to be able to go to a party and talk about what movies I make. And, you know, it's funny. I, I just finished That's the so offer series, the <laughs> offer great- series on, on Paramount plus, which is about the making of the Godfather and Matthew good does a, a smashing good job. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, as, uh, um, Robert, um, Evans, the head of Paramount, um, in terms of talking about you know, movies and like the movies he was talking about were all great movies like Rosemary's Baby, The Godfather. But you know what? They were all huge box office hits. Like you had this guy who grew up in New York, you know, tried to be a, was a failed actor, stumbled in to run the, one of the you know, legacy studios and creates all this great, these great legendary movies that the, the audience also loved. It's like it's almost like we had this great miracle period. Like everyone talks about the '70s as like this great era when, you know, movies were just amazing, and and then all of a sudden we kind of then we went to the blockbuster era, right? Where you yeah. know, Spielberg and Lucas were making all these great movies that were popcorn hits, but also making a lot of money. And then it just started to shift downhill, and then all of a sudden everything diverged, and the audience went one way, and the executives went the other. And it doesn't you know, seem like we were coming back together. You know, he didn't cover this um, directly in that in those articles, but it's very interesting to look at the just demographics, number of yeah. bodies of people at a certain age, yeah. and um, to recognize, you know, the baby boomer era and the blockbuster era go hand in hand, right? You have mm-hmm. a lot of starting family, a lot, you know, like yeah. the largest generation ever, starting families. Total millennials. The kids are yeah. The kids are yeah. growing up exactly right, and right. then they. So the fact that they would go, and the way the technology worked, the way the they would go in large numbers to major films. Of course, blockbusters would work. Of course, yeah. they would. Yeah. The numbers match, right? So then you have now that generation um, is you know a third of the generate the millennial generation, which are equal in numbers, mm-hmm. but when the millennials come on board. The divergence took place so we don't have the concentration of three networks you know yeah. a, a mainstream um uh, media feed into movie theaters that leads to videos that lead to uh in-home you know entertainment eventually now you have a large group of a large body of people that are absolutely distracted mm-hmm. on off platform in video games watching TikTok. Um, you know, consuming Snapchats, you know, whatever that, whatever those items are, they're not being measured in this entertain the same entertainment sectors that we're talking about, and that is not going to give us the same boom that we had before. It doesn't mean the audience doesn't exist. And to his point, what's interesting is is that OTT content that they anybody can find what they're looking for at any moment is a great kind of feeder for this large audience. But we're not going to see the same booms uh, as that. So yeah, that downward trajectory we're feeling in the blockbuster world is a reality. Some of it is just because of the measured ability of people's age, earnings, and those basic demographics that are not just not going to drive people back into theaters or mainstream TV shows. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking, you know, the other thing I think that is a struggle is that I think the industry itself is, is not able to recruit as well from all over as it used to it's sort of become very insular like you have a lot like back in the day it was rare to find a studio exec's kid working at the studio 
in a in a some some role. Oh yeah. I right. mean, you, granted, you had your you know your Xanax. Don't get me wrong. You had your Xanax. There was definitely nepotism. I don't want to say that there was no nepotism no. in Hollywood. And we don't have nepotism here on Hollywood breaks. Thank goodness. Right. Yeah. So but, yeah. Um, yeah. the uh, it's sort of like now you have a lot of studio exec kids who are just getting into the industry, and it's that same. It's that bubble. It's just recycling the same people who go to the same schools, who you know all sort of think the same. And that sort of idea, like a, like a Robert Evans who grew up, I think, poor in New York City, and you know, scrabbled his way over to L.A., and then all of a sudden becomes the head of a head of a, a studio. He never lost that sort of like sense of what how he grew up, you know. And it seems like because the similarities, and it's become so insular that that's why the the the, the content isn't as broad as as it used as it once was. Yeah. And and you know, your point about the millennials sort of you know, again, sort of taking over and, you know, that idea of the three broadcast networks and going to the ne- the movies on a Friday night, it's not part of the process anymore. So, I mean, there's probably an aspect of that involved as well, but um, I think the disconnect is still very much there. And I think that's a big part of the problem. That's, um, so yeah, smart to say. I think that we're, we often get a kind of poke fun at, you know, some of the reality of what were the flyover states. And how mm-hmm. it's disconnected in a lot of decision making from studios. The studio heads, executives are not really doing that. And to be honest, without the really need for gatekeepers for entertainment anymore, I mean, the, right. the, the other distraction channels that are out there are void of a gatekeeper. So if somebody's making local content or somebody's making something that their friends want to watch, their friends will watch something that is a very small group of people because mm-hmm. they're not getting fed from something bigger. Um, but I like that idea of like th- that you're pointing to is like the ego driven nature of Hollywood is putting the blinders on and mm. bubble or their same family or the same, you know, uh, school group or whatever that is. If that's all the content's always been made from the same bubble, you know, how do we get out of it? What's the what's the breakthrough that it takes? I guess some of what we talk about on Hollywood breaks is breaks is to say, hey, there are moments that we could take advantage of. And maybe the um, these articles are kind of pointing to proof that there's a greater audience than what's out there why not why not push it why not explore that i think a part of it is also getting out of la i think that's a big part i mean that's i mean it's something i've been i mean that's one of the reasons i started vision craft brew was to sort of get out you help the talent and you know help produce materials and content that wasn't based in la just la um you know and i think that's part of the problem is it's very focused in one city or two cities if you include new york um and that's part of the problem. It's just so focused. Now, you know, we see a lot of shooting, you know, they're shooting a lot of stuff in Atlanta and parts of Georgia and Louisiana's been a hot spot. But that's that's just that's they come, they shoot the movie, they leave. That, that's not establishing any sort of market there. And I think that's part of the problem. And I think if you start pulling it out, the the nexus out of LA and start maybe looking to build something outside of those two cities you'll start recruiting people who maybe have a better eye for what a broader audience is, is wanting to watch. And, you know, the opportunities that might be there for, for differing content versus just everything that produced in LA. Cause then you're still going to be in that, that bubble. It doesn't matter. I mean, even if, even if God willing, some a vast majority of executives read the five part series and take a lot of entertainment strategy guys advice, which he gives in part five, to, to heal and actually do it 
I mean, it's it. I you know who knows how long that's going to last. You know, it's still the ego-driven mindset of walking into a cocktail party and saying, "I worked with Martin Scorsese on The Irishman, three-hour movie that made Netflix what two bucks," versus I worked on Below Deck Med, which is not a prestige piece, but again, it makes Bravo million millions of dollars a year, and it's it's the the grounding of a franchise for them. So. Well, don't you think that the uh, the the new kind of platform play too, where the what they're calling it fast, that there is just yeah. another group of people distributing content out there that's going to disrupt things even more. The yeah. you know, like on my Roku TV, I can just turn on and free advertised content. Right? What's the fast ever free advertised, free ad supported television, ad supported television. Yes, um, and to be able to just say like, oh, I'm going to that's what I'm going to turn on now instead of HGTV or cooking channel, whatever it's been on the background for years, I can actually just mm-hmm. take this free one. I don't yeah. know, cause I'm not really paying attention to it. Right. Um, but when those platforms, as those platforms become more and more viable, cause more and more people start tuning into it, that's a new channels for people to make content, to reach an audience, to reach some of those, um, hard, hard to reach people, different demographics, either ethnically or geographically centered that, that um, we're talking about that are, are huge opportunities if people reach out and, and make content for them. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that he, uh, the entertainment strategy guy points out is it's like, it's kind of the content people just want to have a play in the background while you're making dinner or you're on your iPhone, iPad, whatever, putting the kids to bed. You just want something in the background and the free ad supported TV gives you that option. It's not always the greatest content, but sometimes it's, you know, from back an era bygone. And sometimes like, oh, look at that. They had the Brady Bunch. Why not watch an episode of the Brady Bunch? Yeah. Um, so it's it, it it's one of those things that it's a, just another opportunity um, that I think because everything has shifted so hard into streaming. Now it's sort of like, well, wait a minute. Because you say free ad sport TV, you said this in a pre-show. I was like, wait a minute, isn't that just broadcast? Because I'm I like, yeah, it basically is, except <laughs> it's on your on your device, not on your cable box. So that's the big difference. So there's still aspects of things that are still very familiar. And again, as the as the ESG got, as points out, like there are trends that are pointing towards you know where we're headed. Like you know, cord cutting is 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 a reality. It is going to happen. Um, reward shows are not driving viewers. Yes, we're trending to be a less religious country, but right now we're not. So it's like, look at the reality in which we live versus what's coming and start developing content that sort of serves the audience as it is versus well, the audience, what it's going to be, maybe 10, 15, because we don't even know if those are accurate assumptions anyway. Something could happen that shifts it in the opposite direction. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it, I think it's, it's playing more in the reality of now versus the reality of what we want it to be. And I think that's another disconnect that Hollywood's really struggling with right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, struggling with now, probably we, if any given moment we made this uh, podcast series, right? If we were in the middle of the 90s, we would talk about what the struggle is there and what, how certain television shows are out of touch with we'll say reality. That's part of the challenge always of putting content out there. Should content be um, imaginary? Like, is it something that is beyond what people could currently comprehend? Of course, the answer is yes. There are shows out there that that absolutely works for. Mm -hmm. Um, Should shows um, be idealistic so that it's creating a world that you hope 
that the world becomes, even though reality is somewhat different. So the, that escape moments are some of what's out there and being forced items almost like agenda-driven items, very political in nature nowadays that you can say, oh, I think we're just feeding the beast itself. And I think that's where the disconnect and the frustration might be and where people want to escape. They'll turn on Brady Bunch over or turning on some of the stuff that's on television because the drama shows are almost too close to home. They're too yeah. convincing. <laughs> I don't want to think about it that hard. Well, it's fun. Yeah, you know, it's another thing you brought up was the, the popularity of procedurals. Like, you know, Things like, um, you know, we have cops, the cop shows and the doctor shows and the firefighter shows and the FBI. I mean, there's a reason that the, that those shows basically sustain CBS. They're just really popular, but none of the streamers really have shows like that. Netflix doesn't have it. Apple TV plus doesn't have it. Um, I, you know, Paramount plus as far, well, Paramount plus has some that are coming over from CBS. So they're not completely blind to the idea that these shows are still popular, but places like Netflix, Apple TV plus, I mean, come on, can you imagine a cop show on Apple TV plus they're so high on their own supply over there? <laughs> There's no way they'd ever produce a show. Cause they think it's beneath them, but it's like, but that's what people want to watch. Like I get the idea of really wanting to make some, it's something you bring up all the time when you, when you're taught, when you're rev thinking, like you got to It's you start with who your audience is, not what you're going to make. Who's the audience. And that's, right. and again, that's sort of leads right into what entertainment strategy guy is saying. Like we got to serve the audience as it currently exists. And I, I think the, the problem is a lot of the executives in Hollywood just serve people like them. And it's like, they watch stuff like succession. They watch stuff like, you know, um, you know, other shows and that, that aren't necessarily broadly popular. Um, you know, every now and then you stumble on something like a game of Thrones, which is broadly popular. But, you know, those are sort of catching fire in, in, a, in a jar. And that's not necessarily something that happens on a regular basis. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it was Seinfeld that jokes about the um, My Pillow TV show. And he, say, he basically says, like, the only way television works is people have to watch that show in order for it to keep on uh, being aired. And it's aired yeah. constantly. So, you know, people are watching the My Pillow mattress infomercial because they're buying it and then he's using it <laughs> he's using otherwise he wouldn't keep going so when you realize yeah, yeah. that's a television show that's it's, a total, it's a piece of content somebody and there's that's more recognized and seen more than some of the stuff that people are trying to like make some idealistic picture of it like well yeah. no but the my pillow tv show is more popular than yours or whatever that is yeah, yeah exactly. um, so that's some reality check of what it takes to make content yeah Yes. Well, I, I do. I like the series like you did. Thanks for forwarding that on to me and, and putting it out there. It's so I didn't interesting. Forward it, Tim, you're a subscriber to the Ankler, well, right? Well, that's what I mean to uh, recognize that so I can, <laughs> of course, I'm a subscriber to the Ankler. Yes, you I should get be. My, I get my As Ankler. As everyone who's listening should be. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. I get my Ankler and my Vision Craft Brew. They come into the uh, same inbox. Right now. Founders Brew, Tim. Founders Brew. Oh, it, <laughs> that's my Founders Brew. Sorry. You found Vision it, Craft yes, Brew is get... what's in the cup. Sorry. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> Founders Brew is what shows up in my inbox. <laughs> oh, you're killing me, man. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. Uh, I'll get it straight one of these days. Don't worry. Yeah, you'll get it straight one of these days. One of these days. Maybe after maybe after 300 episodes. <laughs> we'll get there. But I, um, yeah, but the, the series is great and uh, yes, some critical thinking that's necessary in Hollywood. Yes. So we appreciate that. And it really kind of goes in theme with what we're talking about here. 
Yeah, Hollywood is breaking. It's falling apart, but there's opportunity to break in. If you pay attention yes. and you recognize what's there. If you recognize the trends, there's there's opportunity. Yeah. And as yeah. you say, like, hey, you know, start with why, who, what, where, and then or where, and then make the what. Like, put the yeah. what you're making last because there's an audience looking for the show that you can create. So, yeah, we like right. that part of it. Yep. Well, thank you, my friend. Happy to be here. It's great to uh, be with you this week. Um, just remember, next week I'm not going to be here. I know. And Robin Geisen, our sp- uh, special guest co-host, will be joining us next week. So be sure to tune in for her triumphant return to Hollywood Breaks. Yes, she's the first after the 100. Um, but yes. I want to say for all of you, we're, it's not because we like Robin the best. <laughs> well, we're not saying we like Robin the best. Probably. No, I'm just kidding. We're just uh, <laughs> starting up again. Yes. Getting back into the flow of having guests on yeah. after the summer slowdown. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. tell Robin hi for me. Thanks for filling in for me as I'm going off to Florida for a wedding. We'll do. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks when I see return. See you in a couple of weeks. Adios. Thank you.